G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I'll, I'll share this little story that I wrote. I don't look or feel the same anymore. Every step I take, more of my body falls off. I can't walk anymore, so I drag myself using my arms. Only for a short while because as I move, I lose my hands, arms. This continues until all that is left is my voice. And for myself, I've been silenced. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time, Tim Donovan shared his story and how he left his job in IT in a major communications company to pursue a career in counselling. We also heard how he met a client named Dale Johns, who had been sexually abused as a child. Together, they've written a book called Reclaiming Lives from Sexual Violence, and their website is understandingshame.com. Today, Dale Johns joins his counsellor, Tim Donovan, on the program to share his story. But before we get started, I just want to mention that the topic of childhood sexual abuse has the potential to trigger personal pain or anxieties in those who have had similar experiences. So today's program is not recommended for young children or for anyone who feels this topic might bring back painful memories. Also, if you're listening today and need someone to talk to, you can call the 24-hour National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counselling Line at 1-800-RESPECT. That's one 800 737-732. Once again, that's 1-800-RESPECT, or the numbers are 1-800-737-732. Now, here's Eric Scadabo chatting with Tim and Dale. Welcome back to the program, Tim Donovan. Thank you. Glad to have you on the program once again. Tim is a registered mental health social worker, and he's joining us from Alice Springs. Also joining us today is Dale Johns. Dale, welcome to the program. Thank you, Eric. It's great to be here. Glad to have you with us. As mentioned, Dale is a survivor of childhood sexual violence, and he's joining us from regional Victoria. So today we're going to focus on Dale's story. But first, Tim, you have a few comments that you'd like to add to our last conversation. Thanks, Eric. Um, I just thought it was important to clarify, um, following on from when we last caught up, that I guess firstly, though clearly God has worked in Dale and my life, bringing Mm -hmm. newfound freedoms In my work, I've also worked with many non-Christians alike who have also experienced a form of healing, freedoms from shame. Thus, people from different backgrounds, varying faiths and commitments to life have benefited from how I've worked. And I can't speak on behalf of their stories, but with Dale, it's clear, which we'll explore shortly. Mm -hmm. Also, I think it's important to add that healing in my work doesn't necessarily mean you're fixed, and that is a dominant idea as well or your pain is removed. And I learned from Dale regarding these ideas that healing can mean many things. For instance, having freedom to not be silenced, Mm -hmm. speaking about your experiences without the overwhelming burden of shame. And what we've come to is supporting others with similar experiences, this having the feeling it hasn't been for nothing. So there are many ways to find what's named as healing. It's individual to someone's personal lived experience and For Dale, it's personal to him, isn't it? Mm -hmm. 
And as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but mm. we don't want to give the impression that boom, you know, flick a switch, you're healed, you're fixed, it's all done. It's a yeah. it's a gradual process over time. And from time to time there's gonna be setbacks and you know, good times and bad times, like a valley, but you're gradually getting closer to recovering from the trauma from the childhood. It, would that be a fair way of saying it? Yeah. Yeah, hope so. And yeah, Dale can speak with authority into that space, and rightfully so. Where Dale may share some more over the time of our of our of our chat. Yeah, Dale. Before we get to your story, would you say, in your experience, that the healing process—well, that it is a process, that it's something over time, that it's not just an instant boom—you're fixed. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I'm completely healed yet, but mm-hmm. I believe that what Tim has shared—that um, understanding shame and being able to talk not being silenced anymore is um a type of healing for me so yeah being able to speak about this today is um is a healing it's a healing process yeah that's interesting so you're saying that just sharing your story with us today is part of your healing process yeah yep it is um when you're silenced you just hold it within so my purpose in in the healing process is to be able to help other people who've mm-hmm. experienced what I have. So you're helping others and it's also helping you to heal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I hope that's the case. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's the, the goal that we have here. Okay. Yeah. Let's find out your story, Dale. Where did it all begin? Um, I grew up in uh, central Victoria and um, I was raised and nurtured and loved in a Christian family. And um, having Christian values and a sense of what's right and wrong was all at the forefront of my childhood. So a positive, good yeah. childhood? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I had an experience um, when my nan died, who I was extremely close to, with um, the presence of Jesus as a six-year-old. And I was very broken and felt lost. And the warmth and presence of Jesus fell on me and I felt his love through his warm embrace. And I gained a knowledge of um, the way God worked at that young age. Wow. So at a very young age, you really felt close to God in a sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, particularly in times when I was struggling, God's presence was there. And what was your church background? Um, so I'm Anglican or the Church of England it was mm-hmm. back then. Yep. Yeah. So you knew about Jesus and God through your, your upbringing? Yes, absolutely. Yep. In my family life, and mm-hmm. we went uh, attended church and Sunday school and things like that. And then in school, how were you doing in school? Um, I was never really good at learning. Um, I'm dyslexic, so that was a real problem for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make friends very easily either. Did you know you were dyslexic? Um, no, no, it's not something I found out until later in, mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. You just knew you were having struggles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in a, then in grade, um, around year six, in August, September 1973, the violent sexual abuse began. Um, I went to an after-school program for boys, which was advertised at our school. And the second time I went to the program, the Catholic priest um, um, started to abuse me. Um, yeah, it changed my life. Being betrayed and violated by a Catholic priest, an adult in a position of authority, who told me he loved me, that what we did together was my fault, that our secret 
a secret no one else would believe and to never talk about it to anyone ever or I would be punished by God. Hmm. So the manipulation on his part began right at the start. Yes, it did. Yep. So at this after-school program for boys, he took you into a separate room. Yes. And then yep. what happened after he abused you? He um, brought me back into the room he took me from, mm-hmm. where all the boys were. He put me back in that room, and I was sobbing, and um, I was shaking uncontrollably, and all the boys um, were sniggering and pointing at me and making comments. And, it, yeah, I felt at that moment I just felt shame was poured over me like a bucket of mm. hot oil. Yeah. Mm. And I uh, changed my life forever, basically. And, and school after that was a nightmare because the bullying was every day, continuously, wherever I went. Footy training, all those things were just a nightmare. And you've written about how this impacted you, kind of a metaphor for what you've experienced? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll share this little story that I wrote, which... Um, I begin with an image of a happy, carefree young boy holding Jesus' hand. Sometimes I'm walking, running, swinging, my arms singing, sometimes skipping, when all of a sudden my feet fall off. This was the first time I was sexually abused. This is painful, shameful. I don't look or feel the same anymore. Jesus walks with me, but every time I step, every step I take from that moment, more of my body falls off. I can't walk anymore. So I drag myself using my arms, only for a short while because as I move, I lose my hands, arms. This continues until all that is left is my voice. And for myself, I've been silenced. Jesus is with me. I hope and pray I'm invisible, but that's not the case. It doesn't stop people from judgment names, lies, and pain. You're listening to The Story. Today, our guest is Dale Johns, who's a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. We're also joined by Dale's counsellor, Tim Donovan. Together, they've written a book called Reclaiming Lives from Sexual Violence, and their website is understandingshame.com. We'll hear more of Dale's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is Dale Johns, who's a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and is sharing his life journey. We're also joined by Dale's counsellor, Tim Donovan. Together, they've written a book called Reclaiming Lives from Sexual Violence, and their website is understandingshame.com. Once again, we want to let parents know that today's program is not recommended for young children. Now, here's more of Dale and Tim's conversation with Eric Scatterbo. I wanted to uh, share an analogy that I've come up with, and you guys can tell me whether I'm on the right track with this analogy. Now, if somebody broke into your home and stole something, 
you know, that would be terrible and you feel violated and that's bad, but it would be even worse if that criminal not only stole something from you, but left a virus of some kind in your home, one that stayed there for years, making you sick and, you know, just disabling you in some way. And you didn't even know that it was there, but you just knew something was wrong. Is that kind of a, a, a good analogy of um, the two types of crimes? There's the, the, the physical crime, but then also there's the psychological, the virus that was left of uh, making you as a survivor feel like somehow it was your fault. And that now you have this virus called shame, I guess we could call it. Is that, is that a fair way of uh, making an analogy of the situation? What, what would you say, Dale? Yeah, I think that's fairly good. Really, um, there's always something left behind, like a virus, when you've been sexually abused and uh, something you have to live with. You can't scrub it away or get rid of it. Shame is such a powerful thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it does control your life. And people don't realise that that's even what it is. Shame comes into so many things in your life, mm-hmm. but people don't recognise it as shame. Now, somebody listening today would say, now, wait a second, what do you have to feel ashamed of? You're a victim, but that's that secondary kind of crime that I would say is right from the start, your perpetrator, the abuser, started to psychologically manipulate you and make you feel you were to blame. Is that right? Or what happened? Yeah. How did he do that to you? Yes, absolutely. The word spoken over me every time that he abused me. It was my fault. I attracted him to me and um, things like that and that I wasn't to talk about it to anyone, um, that he was um, trusted in the community and his church and I just wasn't to talk about it. So he silenced you. So that was one form of control yes. and manipulation. Absolutely. Yeah. And he also tried to make you think like you were at fault. Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. And made me, you know, sure that I knew that I was involved in all of this. So you were about 12 years old at the time? I was 11 when the abuse started. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so you were taught right from wrong, good Christian values. And this violated everything you knew. Yes. Yes, it did. But um, shame is a powerful thing. And uh, he just, um, around parents and things like that, he was so charismatic. And um, mum and dad, he always rang mum and dad when he wanted to take me somewhere or Mm -hmm. take me out fossicking for gold or whatever it was. Um, Weekends away, went on holidays with him. He always arranged every outing with my parents and they trusted him. You know, absolutely. So he not only manipulated you, but... He groomed parents too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he manipulated and tricked your parents into thinking he was a trustworthy person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was a priest, you know. Yeah, you were taught to respect your elders and especially somebody of a spiritual authority. Yes. So this goes into another whole topic of spiritual abuse. He's uh, abusing his authority. Yes, Yep. So that's all going on, and you're only 11, 12 years old. I'm 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, man, you had to be so confused and and traumatized. um, Yes, and if you think about it, 
would you want to tell your parents what some priest had done to you? Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. It's just something I didn't want to talk about. I was afraid to talk about. And I also thought that if my father found out, he would probably kill him. Oh. So um, I didn't want Dad to end up in prison for life because mm. something he did, to, uh, a priest did to me. So mm. that was really um, strong in my mind as a child. So this all happened, 11, 12 years old, understandably very confused. And then yeah. this obviously impacted your life immensely. What happened next in your life? Um, I was extremely depressed mm-hmm. as a child, and um, I didn't know who I was. And the bullying was just really terrible at school. I didn't want to live anymore, so I um, tried to commit suicide by drowning. And um, as I was um, drowning, I could feel my, my lungs were filling with water. My um, life was flashing before my eyes and um, all of a sudden I was pulled out of the water. Um, Jesus, I believe it was Jesus, pulling me from deep in the water by my hair and miraculously tending to me, saving me, speaking into my heart to never do that again and remarkably unforgettable knowledge for me of Jesus' healing love. He was he was there. He saved me. He cared for me. So through your lowest points, you yeah. still had that unmistakable sense that Jesus was there for you. Yes. That that warmth is just un- indescribable mm-hmm. of Jesus' presence. So that's how, you know, my faith is so has always been so strong because of that knowing of his presence in my life. Which started back when your your grandmother died. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I knew from that moment of, it was a six-year-old, I knew that God was with me. Yeah. So you, on the one hand, you have the comfort of knowing you're not abandoned by Jesus. He's there for you. But yet, still in life, things are pretty miserable. Yeah. Yes, they are. And, you know, um, that was difficult because I didn't understand why he wouldn't take me out of the situation I mm-hmm. was in. But yeah, but he never promised to do that. And um, at the stage of when I was 18 years of age um, and really struggling, um, Jesus gave me the verse, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 9, um, and in it Paul says, um, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away the thorn in my flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Mm. And that to me said that he wasn't going to take it away, but he would be with me, mm-hmm. and walk with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he's comforting you and strengthening you, yeah. but yet your life was spiraling out of control at that point yes. at 18 years old. Yeah, my life spiraled out of control and I felt filthy and could never scrub the filth of sexual violence away. I started to using drugs and prescription drugs, alcohol. I stopped eating and got down to 46 kilos and became anorexic. I have a pair of trousers I wore at that time that won't do up around the top of my leg. 
I wanted out of this life. I was running from God, but somehow Jesus never let me go. Hmm. And would you say that in your experience, one of the the main things that was kind of gnawing at you and bringing you down was that overwhelming sense of shame? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, shame just shame controlled my life. Hmm. Yep. And Dale, with your permission, we'll we'll pause a moment from your story yep. to help the listener understand this shame, which basically you shouldn't have been feeling. I don't know the right uh, phrase for that, but Tim, can you help me out here? Help us understand this. Um, I don't want to call it false shame. What, what, what would you What would you call this? From from my work and my appreciation of Dale and others is that. Um, arguably in the way I work, shame is it's constructed or it's informed through what we experience socially. We take on the shame of others around us, don't we? And with the perpetrator in Dale's context, he, he saw himself as the reason for the abuse and therefore you internalise it, um, the shame. Mm. And it becomes a part of who you are in a way or it appears to without that understanding of why. But therefore, it's just as the virus, going back to your analogy, mm. your metaphor used the virus, it's just eating away mm. without understanding. But um, I don't know how eloquently I've, I've put it there. Well, well, Eric, let, but, well let me quote from you. <laughs> yeah, please. I've heard you share in the past that shame is commonly viewed in society as feeling something is basically wrong with you, that you're mm. defective or broken. Shame mm. is a feeling that you are wrong at the core the feeling of shame comes from the belief that somehow you're you're basically flawed, inadequate, wrong, bad, unimportant, undeserving, or not good enough. Mm. It's also mm. thought of as a lack of something, a deficit. Dale, would you identify with those comments? Yes, absolutely. All of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's such a strong, strong. Um, I don't know what you call it. Is it emotion? Mm. Shame. Yeah. And I think um, I think that my Christian values also gave me. I had a sense of shame about what had been done to me too, and that I was involved in that. So, I think I had my own shame as well to deal with. Mm-hmm. So the both, um, you know, those taking on his shame and and my own shame um, was just a powerful force, really. Yeah, that virus, so to speak, was eaten away at you. And and I want to call it false shame, but Tim, you're telling me I'm not supposed to call it that. <laughs> what would we call I think this? Shame, shame, shame yeah. is shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, hey, fat language is important to you, Eric, and the listeners for sure. Hey, I'm not here to sort of, in a way, challenge that idea of false shame. I guess maybe that where I'm coming from is shame is an indication of value awareness that you have, that Dale has, that mm-hmm. all of us have, mm-hmm. um, and that. Shame is built upon what we've experienced, um, you know, in life. And part of that shame is the myths that are associated with being male, for instance, in this context. Yeah, we should bring that up. That's another whole part of the shame. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you've been abused over a period of time, people would say, well, hey, you're a guy. Why why did you put up with it? You know, you're supposed to be a young man. You know, is that part of it? Yes, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be strong and be able to fight back, and you know, 
we're not or, or we're not supposed to share our emotion we're men aren't we so that's even heaping more shame on you yeah yeah absolutely and i think that um guilt comes into that as well i think that uh, people probably think that guilt and shame are the same thing but they're slightly different shame is um when there's you know you're the problem um there's something definitely wrong with you and guilt is um more like something that you've done that you can be forgiven for so mm-hmm. Yeah, because guilt, we've talked about this last time, that guilt, that's a problem, but you can take care of that. You can yeah. apologize, yeah, you can problem. repent. Yeah, you're not the problem. You, yeah. And you can say you're sorry to the person who, who you've offended. Guilt can be dealt with. But yes. shame, if you feel you're defective and inadequate, yeah. then you're just trapped because you feel that's just a given. There's nothing that can be done. Is that is that how you were feeling at that time? It just adds to the shame, yes. Mm-hmm. Builds, builds and builds, yeah, until it's just overpowering. Well, that was part two of our series talking with the authors of the book Reclaiming Lives from Sexual Violence. Today, Dale Johns shared his story and the impact childhood sexual abuse has had on his life. Also, we were joined by Dale's counsellor, Tim Donovan, who's a registered mental health social worker. To find out more information about their book, their website is understandingshame.com. Once again, that's understandingshame.com. If you're listening today and can relate to anything you heard and you'd like to pray with someone, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to pray for you on that number, 1-800-772-936. Also, if you've been listening today and need someone to talk to, you can call the 24-hour National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counselling Line on 1-800-RESPECT. Once again, that's 1-800-RESPECT or 1-800-737-732. Well, thanks for joining us today for part two of our series on childhood sexual abuse. We want to thank Dale Johns for courageously sharing his story. And we invite you to join us again next time as Dale shares more about his journey to healing. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Well, um, I was I had a policeman come to the front door with a subpoena for me to go to court, and that was an offence against the perpetrator. So apparently the Royal Commission had been to the town that I was brought up in and um, had spoken to some people, and my name was given to them through that process. I was very broken on the doorstep, and I just broke down. Dale Johns is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, which he had kept secret for over 40 years until a police officer knocked on his door. Dale was subpoenaed to testify in a trial against his perpetrator and all the painful memories flooded back. Dale shares more of his journey to healing next time. The story. Just another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.